Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Mean O-Line Media presents Business of the Beat. Hi, I'm Kendra Bracken Ferguson, and I am a founder, brand builder, entrepreneur, and believe in the mantra, Carpe Diem. I created this podcast, Business of the Beat, through my own experience as a beauty executive to talk about, tell stories, and highlight the business of beauty through conversations with beauty and wellness entrepreneurs, intrapreneurs, helping to diversify the industry. This week on Business of the Beat. I really want to create this legacy for myself and my future children that I can create something and I can have the ability to do that. And I think for my mom too, she wanted to do that 25 years ago to leave something for me. And I think we just ended up working together to doing that together for each other. Hi everyone, I'm your host, Kendra Bracken-Ferguson, and welcome to Business of the Beat. Today's guest is Rachel Lambeau, co-founder and CEO of Sade Baron. I'm so excited for this conversation, but before we get started, don't forget to follow, rate, and subscribe to Business of the Beat on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You don't want to miss an episode, and your feedback means so much to us. Make sure you leave a rating and a review. All right, everyone, on to Rachel Lambeau. Sade Baron is created by a mother, Sade, and her daughter, Rachel, with one simple goal in mind, to create high-quality vegan body products packed with nutrient-rich superfoods that are good for both your skin and our planet. Sade Baron is inspired by the skin and the body's power to heal and correct itself. Sade Baron has been featured in Goop, Harper's Bazaar, Refinery29, as well as several other publications. Rachel, welcome to Business of the Feed. I am so excited for this conversation. We had a great conversation a few days ago, and all I could think of was this is going to be such a dynamic podcast. You are just a joy and a powerhouse, and I'm so excited to hear your story. So let's jump in. Um, I'm just... I'm so inspired to think about you and your mom. I have such a great relationship with my mom. And the fact that you all have built this business together is amazing. But before the business, you had an entire life together. So talk about yourself, your beginnings, um, how we got here today. Okay. Thank you so much for having me, Kendra. Um, my mom and I have always been sort of a team. Um, I was an only child for a really long time. And I think that kind of allowed us to have this relationship throughout the years. Now, mind you, I did not get along with my mother when I was a teenager. So I am not uh, immune to that. Like, I think everybody has sort of like their own own version of that story. But I think when I started um, going to university, I recognized that I started to talk to my mom and my mom started to talk to me like an adult versus a child. And I think that's when our relationship started really uh, developing. And, uh, you know, we talked all the time during the week, weekends. um, And I think I started to see my mother as a person, not just my mom. 
you know, this individual of like, she's my mom, but my mom's name is Shade, and it's my mom is not just my mom. She's Shade. She's a person. She's a friend. She's funny. She has her own uh, things and her own dreams. And um, I started to recognize that and I started to really see her for that. And I think she started seeing me for this person because sometimes, I don't know if your mom tells you this, but like sometimes when I'm angry at my mother, my mom's like, oh, I just see a toddler talking to me and not, I don't understand what you're saying. I was like, okay. But now like my mom looks at me and she's like, oh, you know, you're this person. And I think that relationship really helped us to start this partnership. And this partnership even, I thought with this partnership, I got to see another layer of her as a business person, as somebody who's a decision maker. And I think this is a relationship that I built with her, but I think there's another portion of a relationship that I think people don't realize that they start having is a friendship. I'm actually genuinely friends with my mom. Mind you, there's certain things that I would not do with my mom in the present, (laughs) but she is my friend too. And she is so calm and so interesting to get to know as a person. So I think, um, you know, when we started Shadi Baron in 2016, I think that was such a big portion that I we developed, you know, and it took us like three years for me to see that my mom wasn't just my mom, my partner, but she was also my friend. Wow. That is so powerful. It warms my heart. And and people that don't have a relationship with their mom, just I, I feel so for them because to your point, I, I don't think there's anyone like I, I firmly believe no one leaves childhood unscarred. That's just the nature of human frailty and and being people. And this interesting relationship that you talk about that evolved into a friendship and as a partner and still a mom. And I was talking to someone the other day and she's in her late, late forties and she hadn't been home since the pandemic. And we were talking about, I said, that's so funny because I just went home to my parents' house and I crawled in the bed with them. And she was like, me too. She was like, as soon as I had, like, I woke up in, in my, you know, high school bed and I went and crawled in the bed of my parents. And it's, it's such a special relationship. And the fact that you've been able to go from, this is my mom, this is my partner, and this is my friend. It, it's such a different dynamic, I think, than other founders when they're saying, I'm just trying to figure out a co-founder. I'm trying to, and they're interviewing all these different people and trying to get to know them. So what has that been and how do you find kind of the space to have this mom relationship, this partner relationship, and now this friend with someone who, you know, gave birth to you, you've been with your whole life. It's, it's such a different co-founder relationship. Yeah. I mean, she tells me all the time, I give, I give birth to you and I can take you out. I was like, <laughs> okay, I heard you. I got it. I understand. Um, I think that relationship is really, really magical, um, especially when we we working together um, and working on ideas and concepts and where we want to take the business. I think my mom has just really shown her side of a self, a side that I've never seen before. And I think it's just gotten, uh, you know, more advanced and more interesting and more knowledgeable over the years. So I think that our relationship has really stretched um, more and more especially as we wanting to expand and grow and, and let people know about who Shadi Baron is and what we do and, and the products we offer. And what, what advice can you give? Because you're right. It, there's a stretching as the business grows in any relationship, there's growing pains. And then you've hit this point and then there's very real decisions about how you move. And we have so many people that ask about co-founders, what, what advice, what tips can you give on as you're in this growth phase and you have another person, 
you know, how do you, how do you navigate that? What's the best way to maintain that relationship while growing the business? I think mutual respect is a really big key and letting people voice their opinion without any consequences or um, feeling like they are not heard. I think that is such an important thing. I mean, my mom tells me a lot of stuff and I just listen to her because I know her opinion matters and her, her, her views are different. And I think that's what makes um, a partnership, a co-founder partnership so interesting because you, you get people that have two different views or two different ways of seeing things. And a company can't just run when everybody is the same, you know, straightforward. It has to be this dynamic sort of partnership. There's got to be some, some difference, you know, the yin and the yang. So I think that, you know, when someone's looking for a co-founder or a partner in working on a business, especially because it's so mentally and physically and emotionally challenging and psychologically too, you want to find someone that's going to be a balance. And sometimes it's the opposite or sometimes it's the same in a different perspective. Wow. That, that's great feedback, the yin and the yang. And I think being open to different opinions, like that's the beauty of life. And we can take all the opinions and then we can figure out like, what's going to work in the situation that we're in and then having respect that people will have different opinions. And how do you respect that? Even if you don't agree, there's a difference between agreeing and respecting. And so let's talk about, I mean, the agreeing part of your, your working. I mean, you've had an amazing career, Leo Barnett, DDB tribal, you've worked with um, L'Oreal and other retailers. So what was this agreeing point where you said, okay, we're going to start this business six years ago now? Like, what was that trigger? What was that aha moment where it was like, we're doing this, let's go. And you did it. Well, there was a lot of moving parts of that. So we actually initially had the idea in 2014. And my mom said to me something that I thought was so ridiculous, but I guess it was so true as well. She said to me, um, I'm too old to start a business. I was like, what? What? What do you mean? Um, and she had experiences in the early nineties where she wanted to start a business. And I mean, you can imagine that, you know, men, uh, you know, you walk into a bank or you want to start a business and people tell you, Oh, where's your husband? Um, and, and, and it was that feeling. And I said, no, I don't, I don't think you're too old, mom. I, I, I know some people that are older than you and started a business. Look at Martha Stewart. She is in her seventies and she started her business, I think in her forties from what I understand. And I think for my mom, that was like a big thing. She was like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. And I was like, no, I, th- I totally think you could do this. So for the, the first two years of just preparing for the business, I think she had to muster the courage and understand that life had changed uh, outwards for women to start businesses. Um, and I think for me, a turning point was that, no, let's let's do a business together, mom, because I know you could do a business. And I have knowledge of the market and I understand it from a supply chain and a marketing perspective and a distribution perspective and manufacturing. And I think we should give it a try. And I think it's another motivator was that my mom was always making products for people in her, in the town that she lives in. Uh, I mean, she knows everything. It goes from like stomach issues to pregnancy, uh, indigestion, anything. She kind of knew that. And I think for her, it was like a pleasure to help people feel better. Um, and I think that was a big indication for me that I wanted to help people as well in my own way. I wasn't a formal leader. I wasn't someone who had a green thumb, but I was someone I like to share story and help people. And so I think for, for our business, that was sort of the transition. And for me, 
when I started, my, like when I was working, I was like, oh gosh, I really want to start a business. I really want to create this legacy for myself and my future children that I can create something and I can have the ability to do that. And I think for my mom too, she wanted to do that 25 years ago to leave something for me. And I think we just ended up working together to doing that together for each other. And even when you talk about this notion of getting the courage, you know, there's something to be said. Clearly we're in this time of racism and sexism. And then we think about ageism and the ageism that people place on us. And, it, and it's old age and it's young age. I mean, there's the people that are still saying you're too young to do this and you're too old to do that. So it, it works both ways. So your ability to say, have the courage to do this and then to root it in what you were already doing. The best business ideas come from passion and they come from the habitual nature of what you're doing for others. And so for your mom, it sounds like she was already making things and you were already a storyteller. And so as you guys have this moment of, okay, I now have the courage, I'm taking my passion and I'm putting that into a business. What were the steps? Because you're making everything, you do understand the distribution, but those early days of thinking about selling your, your bars of soap at festivals and really shaping it, what was that like? And what was that journey to get you into the next period of growth? I think for us, um, so we did a show in the summer uh, of or September of that year in 2016. And we had like maybe 900 bars with us and we had brought so much products. And I, I did all the branding for it and kind of came up with something really quickly so that we could you know, do this. And a friend of mine, called me and said, hey, there's a show you need to do it. I said, okay, let me let me do this. I think it makes sense. It falls in line with um, the kind of customer that we want to talk to. So when we did that show, we had like no expectation and no idea how that would be. And we did the show for three days and we sold maybe 832 bars in those three days. And we we're like, okay, okay. So this <laughs> means that people are actually are interested in our products. And we sold also creams and lotions and everything else. And um, and it was a really big confident booster for us to say, okay, let's let's take this journey, this journey into the abyss, abyss the ether, I think. Um, and we don't know what's going to happen. And I think the first year, what we decided to do was to really do a lot of markets and shows and pop-ups across uh, Toronto and wherever we were uh, and wherever we could find shows and do it because we, we could directly talk to the customer and understand what they liked and what they didn't like. And my product is not a, is good, as good as it is because my customers used to tell me, you need to change this. I don't like the packaging. I don't like the way the application process works. I don't like the smell of this. I want you to do this. Oh, I can't read the labels very clearly. This is too colorful or this is too bright. I can't read it. Um, can you explain to me how to use this product? And I think that constantly happening throughout shows was so helpful. It was so helpful because we 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 could have launched this beautiful brand that we created uh, and we could have made a lot of mistakes and like trying to go to a retailer and and start start like that that route. It would have been great, but I think it would have not given us enough information to sit in front of a retailer or a distributor and say, you know what, this is my target market and I know these are my top five selling SKUs in the summer, in the spring, in the winter, and I know which products really upsell and cross-sell with this. And that information was so helpful because when we started then rebranding and redeveloping the line and making changes and adjustments, we could be at the shows and say, oh, this is a top seller. Oh, if you have this type of skin, that's what you need to get. If you have this, 
that way. And I think that this like free market research essentially was so helpful for us to say, okay, now we're ready after two years of doing, we did 98 markets a year. So we did about 200 markets and all that information was so helpful. And, and, and it helped us understand what we wanted to do, where we wanted to be and who our customers were. And we realized it was a tribe of individuals that had very different, had very different interests, but they had a common luxury or idea that was really important to them, good skincare, good body care, right? Mm -hmm. And I think when that happened, we then decided to start growing our business and saying, okay, we're ready for the next step of wanting to get with retailers, wanting to reach more customers and really moving ahead and forward with a vision of, you know, indoctrinating people with clean, high efficacious body care products. And I think that was our our journey from transitioning to markets to doing, working with retailers and really talking to our customers through email and social media and, and building that out. And how, you know, how were you managing resource wise? Because in order to do that, there's this high level of your making the products. I mean, that's a, that's a lot of products to, to first make <laughs> on your own and then to bring to market. And then 98 market, that's, that's a tremendous amount of feedback. That's great feedback. But with feedback also comes to your point, how do I change this? How do I do that? How do I show that I'm really listening? So how, how was that for you all? Like, did you use systems and technologies? Was it very much a hands-on, let's go through it, apply what we can, and then re-educate the consumers. What was that that process like to actually take the feedback and then put it into application? Oh yeah, there was a really great example. So we, when we first started, we made these really big moisturizing creams, like six, seven ounces, and people are like, I, I, I don't, I don't want to buy this because I don't know you. I've never met you before. And this lady was like, Well, I really think it would be nice if you sold these um, products in one ounces. And we happened to live next to a, close to a supplier that does plastic components and we saw these were on sale these one ounce containers were on sale and we said you know what we'll buy 500 of these and we'll make a new batch and buy and and do the smaller ones and you know what it was such an amazing process because we literally saw our products flying off the market shelves like where we were because people now could take this one ounce product try it and then commit to something larger so that was a really perfect like example of us really listening to our customer and doing it in real time. Like we did it in a matter of a month, 30 days, because we knew that if we wanted to succeed at these shows and, and, you know, be able to make at least the cost back of attending a show or attending in a market, uh, we wanted to ensure that we can actually sell those products. Um, Another example was like um, our soaps were sold naked for a really long time. But what the challenge was people wanting to give it as gifts or, you know, protect it from dust wherever they were, you know, living or the situations they were living or just even travel. Right. Um, and I th- and we said, OK, let's try to do boxes and uh, let's try to do wrapping paper and see how we can do that. So taking that information was um, some of it we could we could apply right away. And some of it we had to say, OK, we need to write a list down. Uh, all I would do is like mark it down in Excel uh, if it's an email, I would flag it and say customer feedback and just like accumulate that information. And I start tackling the things that I can tackle with the resources that I had available. Yes. Uh, and the other ones that I couldn't tackle, I started slowly with that. So another example was we were having labels and our labels were really pixelated for some reason with the printer that we had hired. And my sister said, Rachel, I found a label printer um, overseas. Can you uh, take a look at it? And I said, okay, you know, let me see. 
uh, what that is. And I did a test run and I got so many, I got so much feedback from customers like, oh, I love your labels. They're so much more clear and I can actually read them. And so like taking that information and being able to slowly apply that was such a nice thing because customers could see that we were reinvesting into our brand. Yes. You know, someone, mm-hmm. I have a customer that's been with me from day one. She's actually one of my models in my campaign. Her name is Michelle. Yeah. And she said, I remember meeting you at a market in 2017 and I am just so blown away how much you have re- reinvested into your business and have really made sure that customers um, feedback and suggestions were really applied. And I am just so honored to like, be a model and and sh- and and share my skin and show you what my skin looks like with your products and it was just such a cool thing to hear that over and over again and and getting that feedback and till this day we still get a lot of feedback and in, and in terms of resources i mean it was just my mom and i we were making the products and it was like tough like weekends evenings because wow. we were both still working full time and um that was that was really challenging because like I would get ready for a show on like Saturday, Sunday, and then I had to go to work on Monday. And then I had like emails that I have to manage. And so after work, I would spend a couple hours every day in the evening answering emails, getting back to people, shipping orders and stuff like that. But um, I think we were really nimble. But what was nice about that too is you got to, I got to really understand my business from every aspect, from yes. procurement, supply chain, um, to manufacturing, to distribution, to talking to customers, and then also marketing messages. I think that was really helpful too, is like understanding our marketing message and our value proposition too, because I think sometimes, you know, you create a product and you don't understand your value proposition or your value proposition changes because you realize some customers are totally applying your product very different than what you initially expected, right? So I think resource was really limited, but it did allow us to really understand what our business is all about, right? Like I can tell my contract manufacturer, this is what I'm looking for. And you certainly are not going to cut corners with me because <laughs> I know my business inside and out, you know? Yes. Oh my, Rachel, Rachel, preach, preach, preach. There's so many <laughs> things here um, that I want us to deconstruct because one of the things that struck me is the discipline, right? And so when you talk about you're getting all of this feedback, but being able to say, okay, we can buy a one ounce product that can take us a month, but we still have to figure out, you know, the labels or the things and that you, you talk about saying, okay, I'm going to do this now and then I'm going to put this here. And I think as a founder, it's really hard to have that discipline because you're getting so much information and, and, you know, for better or for worse, we are seeing what other people are doing and what our peers are doing. And sometimes that help that's helpful. And sometimes it's not. And so your ability to say, like, I'm taking the feedback, but I'm going to know what I can do now. And that's a longevity play. You know, that's how you get a true sustainable business. So talk about this discipline that, that you've experienced and its role in terms of the business, because your business has evolved. You you went from, you know, 98 markets or 200 markets and trade shows. Now you've moved into this place of retail distribution. You brought your entire company online. How did you figure out the steps to do that and then stay disciplined when all these other opportunities were coming for you? I think discipline is sometimes really important when motivation is tired or is not around. And when you don't have, I'm motivated some days, most of the time I'm not. uh, And that's when discipline kicks in. And I think it's a muscle that you have to build. Like just like when you work out and you want to build tone up or whatever you want to do, you know, you have to. You have to be consistent with that and you have to you have to understand that it's not just about the right now it's about 
what is happening in 10 years from now, what is happening in 20 years from now. And when you build that discipline, it also helps you in every aspect of your life because there's days where you just don't want to do anything. I'm not a parent, but I can't imagine having to wake up and make cereal for your kids because there's (laughs) days where you just want to sleep. You know what I'm saying? And that's exactly what discipline is. It's like you wake up because you know you're obligated to do this because you chose to do this. And now how do you go further with that? with that choice that you made it's discipline where where motivation is just not available that day or that week uh, and i think uh for me i quickly learned over the two years for the first two years of the business was that for me to stay in business i need to be disciplined and i need to decide what i can do right now with the resources i have available and what i can do later and understanding the difference between that and i think uh, one of the things that was a big deal or jump for us was when in 2019 when we actually did a photo shoot and we rebranded our packaging was okay I I don't want to become I don't want to say this I want to be this market brand I don't want to be this like farmer's market brand and this pop-up brand I want to elevate from that to something else and how do I do that and I started making a list of the things that I think I would need to do to get to that so I looked at my packaging I looked at my photography I looked at my key messages I looked at about things that are really important in the value proposition and how you can communicate that through copy and how I can provide education. And I said, okay, these are all the things that I need to do. Um, and, and I would like to also get some media exposure because I now feel confident about my product. I know my product is good. I've done enough research. I've gotten enough feedback. I've reformulated. I've changed things. And now I feel confident enough that I know if I get a PR agency, I would feel confident enough. And so I started working on packaging. I started working on key messages. I redesigned the website. I hired a photographer. I asked a lot of my model uh, customers to be models of mine uh, for the pictures. And then I said to myself, okay, let me put all that together. It took me about four or five months to do that. And then I reached out to a PR agency. I felt that was very in line with what I was doing and with the budget that I could afford. But just again, it was just so small. And it was such a really interesting experience to go from this market brand, you know, being at shows on the weekends to really having to start building relationships with retailers and building relationships with people online versus offline, right? And transitioning to that and saying, okay, these are key messages, organizing my thoughts, um, understanding like, you know, one of the biggest things was getting my finances in order, understanding my margins, saying, okay, this cost me X amount, but the exchange rate is keeps growing and like uh, new unexpected expenses show up and just understanding where your money is going and how much it actually truly costs you to make a product. I think for the first years, I didn't really care about that. That was really not something that was a focus. It was more of just selling and getting feedback. But once we started wanting to transition to another aspect or journey of our of our brand we needed to start understanding hey what are my margins can i sell wholesale can i sell to a retailer will i actually make enough money how much margins am i making when i sell directly to a uh, customer and sitting down and coming up with these recipe calculations for each of our individual products and saying okay you know it takes me it costs me two dollars to make this product and i want to sell it for example ten dollars there's eight eight dollars available but where what are what are my you know, costly expenses every month, and I have to deduct that and how much is left after that. And doing that was really helpful to get us to the next level. Because now, when I met a wholesaler or retailer, I can actually tell them, oh, this is a really great product. This is a top seller. This is how much um, I can sell it to for wholesale at 55% versus 50%. 
And these things really matter because that really helped us transition into the brand that we are today is because we had to do this like work, right? This, this work of like understanding the business, not just from, oh, it's pretty and it's nice, but it's also like, hey, how is this like financially uh, going to work? And then how is this going to work from a marketing perspective and storytelling, right? Um, and I think the storytelling part was also a big part. Um, we didn't talk about our story really about being mother and daughter um, very much. And I think that was something that we kind of were very afraid to do. Um, and I think that's something that we ended up saying, okay, you know what? Yeah, this is Sade and this is Rachel and this is who we are. And so that's sort of how we evolved through that. And I think the evolution even got more intense when we started really putting all that stuff into place from like inventory management and like giving your, keeping your product a SKU name and, <laughs> and writing product <laughs> descriptions properly. So your retailers could find it and ingredients list and getting certifications, uh, leaping bunny, you know, um, all these, these certifications so that we could show people like, this is a you know product, this is a product. And we, we really f- uh, find a lot of value in that. And I think your customers are customers directly would find value in that. So it, it, it's been a journey, but those were some of the key, points of helping us pivot from this mark this you know this brand of being yeah. at shows to like going into retailers and pushing through that oh my gosh everyone this has been such an amazing conversation the gems the jewels that she dropped and more importantly the transparency the honesty you know entrepreneurialism is it is is for for all of the good there's a lot of hardness there's a lot of times when you want to stop and give up but it's that desire to keep going. It's that discipline. It's the motivation. And that's what Rachel um, just shared so freely. So we are going to um, continue this conversation. Consider this your part one. We hope that you will come back and join us for part two, where Rachel will continue to drop gems and jewels and share more of her journey with her mom, her business partner, and her friends. We'll also give you a peek into um, her favorite product. And um, I think it's something that you'll love and something to try. So make sure that you stay tuned for episode two. We can't wait for you to listen to the next part of my conversation with Rachel Lambeau, co-founder and CEO of Sade Baron. Business of the Beat is hosted by Kendra Bracken-Ferguson, assistant producer Jenny Salk, associate producer Ariel Mancibo, executive producer Kendra Bracken-Ferguson, edited by Fishmar Creative, executive producer Ken Johnson. Find the Business of the Beat podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Odyssey, Amazon Music, or where you get your podcast, and on IG at Business of the Beat. Business of the Beat is a mean old line media production. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.